Hello, everybody. Welcome to College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maceno. This is your weekly college basketball radio show right here on WVOX, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in and for being part of our show. All right, so we have some great guests today, as usual. We have our friend Patrick Madden, who heads up the Big Big East blog. He just released Big East Power Rankings. We're going to discuss that. We'll also talk about yesterday's Seton Hall Rutgers game. Big game uh, for the uh, championship of uh, the state of Jersey. And uh, uh, Patrick was at that game, so we'll talk to him about that as well. And at 8.32, we're going to talk to my friend Jack Milko, who um, is involved with A10 Talk, covers St. Bonaventure. And uh, we'll have a good talk about that fine conference, the Atlantic 10, some of the top teams over there. And, of course, to wrap up the show in the final segment will be our number one caller, Kenny from Rye. All right, everybody. Hope you're doing well. A couple of weeks ago, we had Jaden Daly on the show. And Jaden and I did a back-and-forth ranking of the top college basketball teams in the New York metropolitan area. So Jaden kind of gave me a little push today online saying, here's my list for today. How about you? So I'll read both of our lists for the top 10 teams in the New York City metropolitan area. The only thing I want to point out, though, is there's some debate on where these lines are drawn. Uh, But Jaden has the lines based on uh, the Metropolitan Basketball Writers Association. They give out an award called the Haggerty Award. So we're going to use their geography for being in the New York metropolitan area. Some people were complaining online, you can go see it on Twitter, that we didn't include certain teams, but according to Jaden and the Metropolitan Basketball Writers Association, those schools don't fall in the geographic area of the New York metropolitan area. Okay, so Jaden says the following in his ranking. Number one, St. John's. Number two, Iona Gales, right here in New Rochelle. Number three, Rutgers. Number four, Seton Hall. Number five, Hofstra. Number six, Fordham. Number seven, Ryder. Number eight, Wagner. Number nine, Fairfield. And number 10, St. Peter's. All right, so that's my friend Jaden Daly's ranking. Here's my rebuttal. Okay, my rebuttal is number one, St. John's. Number two, Seton Hall. Number three, Rutgers. Number four, Iona. Number five, Hofstra. Number six, Fordham. Number seven, Wagner. Number eight, Fairfield. Number nine, Ryder. And number 10, St. Peter's. So Jaden and I are pretty close. This will obviously change from week to week. Uh, So we'll see how it all plays out. But that is my ranking uh, for the top 10 teams in the New York metropolitan area. Okay. Iona College Gales were active this past week and got two wins over the Atlantic 10 Conference. Well, that's pretty darn good for the MAC Conference to grab two wins against uh, the higher-ranked Atlantic 10 Conference. Atlantic 10 Conference is a conference that's gotten three teams in the NCAA tournament. It's a pretty good conference. I own it beat two of them. Let's quickly talk about those. Number one, uh, last Tuesday night, they played St. Louis. Now, I have to tell you, when I was driving over to Iona, 
for that game, I wasn't sure Iona would win. Matter of fact, I thought they were the underdog. But um, I got in that gym and I sat there with a very loud crowd. And in the first half, Iona played about as well as possible and took a lead over St. Louis of 45-32. to St. Louis is a good team. Uh, they grabbed this lead with top player Nelly Jr. Joseph on the bench in foul trouble. Iona was the dominant team on the defensive end. Uh, and they were led by an electric Dennis Jenkins with 15 points. For the, so for the third game in the row, Iona ended up beating them 84-62, St. Louis Billikens. Uh, they got a dominant win at home. Uh, and it was so impressive that they beat a strong St. Louis team, which was number 40 on Ken Palm the night of that game. It sometimes looked like St. Louis was shocked by how well Iona played. Iona D was terrific. Uh, and one thing I asked Rick Pitino about after the game, about the, the look on the faces of the St. Louis players uh, on the TV timeouts, walking back kind of in, in a state of shock that they were getting blown out by 20 points by Iona. And Rick called that fatigue, that they purposely wore out St. Louis, and you could see it on their faces. Interesting little basketball tidbit that Rick Pitino's press and hard-nosed defense wore out St. Louis, a team that was ranked 40 in Kempom. And then Sunday, yesterday, Iona beat St. Bonaventure 72-57. Weird game for me, folks, because I've loved Iona basketball since I was in grammar school, but I also went to St. Bonaventure, so... A weird game to watch. I just sat there and watched. I didn't really root. Uh, but I only won big. 72-57. But I have to tell you, it was close at the half. 32-28. to Nellie Jr. Joseph in the big first half with 16 points. Uh, it was still a tight game with about 10 minutes to go. So three quarters into the game was a tight game. And then Iona took off. Iona outscored St. Bonaventure 19-3 to in the closing 10 minutes. I felt It felt like a game from the 70s and 80s. A uh, very high compete level on both sides, but the Gale defense just proved too tough for the Bonnies. And once again, the Iona Gale defense wore out St. Bonaventure. Um, so they also got 27 points off turnovers. Talk about the other team being worn out. Uh, Nellie Jr. Joseph had 24 points. Uh, I also want to point out that off the bench, well, actually started because of the injury to uh, Quinn Slazinski, Osborne Shima was a difference maker, even though he didn't big stats. He was a difference maker on the court. And Parker Weiss off the bench, the captain, uh, scored eight points. He had a very good game. So there you go. Iona Gales get two big wins this week uh, against A-10 conference team. They're looking very strong right now, Iona. Uh, they got some tough non-conference games coming up in the next couple of weeks. And then they start the MAC conference schedule. Iona's in a really good place right now, folks. Uh, I really think that if they're a strong team, it's only going to get better. They look like an NCAA tournament team to me. All right, do we have our caller? All right, so let me go to the phone line and find Patrick Madden from the Big Big East blog. Patrick, are you there? Yes, Jim. All right, so today, was it today you released your Big East power ranking? That is correct. All right, so I took a look, and it is interesting, you know. I will tell you, my after watching a bunch of Big East games in the first week of the season and reading your uh, power ranking, I do feel like right now this is a down year for the Big East. What do you think? Uh, I think <clears throat> a lot of people are overly focused on you know, non-conference games that certain teams didn't win, but I do think there's a difference between the teams that are really good in the conference and the teams that are not so good. 
And I think it's a matter of if those teams that are in NCAA contention win the games they're supposed to win, they will be in a good position to get at-large bids. You're talking teams like St. John's. You're talking teams like Marquette. You may have even been talking teams like Butler and Seton Hall that are in that conversation. You can't afford to lose games at DePaul and Georgetown, and you basically have to try to protect your home court as much as possible to get the type of the number of wins you need to get NCAA consideration. Okay, let's get rid of two teams quickly, if we may. All right? Uh, I have two buddies that I'm in a college basketball chat group with, and they are beside themselves on the state of Georgetown basketball. We all know what it, what it has been. It's been a powerhouse uh, in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It was a powerhouse in the sport. Even had its times in the 2000s. But, you know, it's had a rough 10 years or so. And it's in a bad place right now. I believe Patrick Ewing will get fired and Georgetown's going to have to start from scratch. They're the worst team in the Big East. I don't even think it's debatable, Patrick. No, not really, unless you want to, you know, it's, it's questionable because DePaul has the injuries that they have to deal with, and that has caused them to not be as good as even I predicted they were going to be in October. But, I, it, you know, it, it's really, you could probably toss it up between DePaul and Georgetown. DePaul is not their fault. They Georgetown just, the mix of players isn't that great. They don't play a lot of defense. And, you know, now it's now you can really question Patrick Ewing's coaching. So you know, we'll see what happens when Big, play, Big East play starts. Obviously, the second team I was going to deal with quickly was DePaul. Um, I understand the injury situation. I watched them play St. John's. Uh, they were not impressive. If that's the team that's going to be on the court in the Big East this year, uh, DePaul's got some big problems. So I'm going to put aside DePaul and Georgetown. I think we've dealt with them, Patrick. Uh, let's get to number nine because uh, we have Kenny from Rye who attended Providence. Providence is starting slow. I mean, their best win is against Ryder. That, that's not a great sign for Providence. But they are 8-3 and three, uh, on a bit of a cupcake schedule. Uh, but I think they may get revealed somewhat, in, particularly in the early stages of the Big East. Yes, I think their game Saturday with Seton Hall is a big measuring stick for both teams, who I have Seton Hall's eighth place, of course. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's really a matter of, you know, does Providence, which team seems to be in a better position? Before yesterday, it was clear that Providence was in a better position because lately Providence has played really well. They've performed well against the teams they were supposed to perform against, uh, teams like Albany and teams like Manhattan and Seton Hall was struggling a little bit, but then you throw that win against Rutgers into the discussion, and you know now you got to balance out the 8-3 and three of Providence against Seton Hall's two big wins. One was the game against Memphis down in Florida, and one was the game uh, against Rutgers yesterday. So uh, Saturday's game at the Prudential Center is going to be huge to sort of see which team can sort of keep itself in that at-large discussion because the other team loses that game, and then they got to fight teams like Connecticut and Villanova and Xavier to get themselves back into the conversation. Well said, Patrick. I think that's a really interesting game between Seton Hall and Providence. It kind of tells you uh, maybe which team might have may be able to make a little run in the Big East if they keep improving. The other team might fall back a little. So I'm looking forward to that, forward to that game. So tell us, I think you were there, about, I don't know if it was a basketball game, but it was certainly a rock fight between Rutgers and seeing Hall yesterday in the battle for New Jersey. I was not there uh, because, the, you know, the tickets were expensive, and frankly, I, I, I've been to enough Seton Hall-Rutgers games in Piscataway. I don't need to attend many more of those. But uh, I think Seton Hall basically gave the blueprint, uh, pardon the pun, 
as to how they're going to win basketball games in the Big East. They're just going to wear people down. They're going to try to hold you down offensively, and they're going to hope to score enough points to be enough to, you know, sort of over, like, you know, you might say, well, how many games does a team win when they score 45 points? Well, when they can hold the other team to 43 points, they're going to win games like that. So you're going to, Seton Hall's going to have to win a lot of games in the 50s and 60s against their opposition. Part of that is they have to hold the other team down and, and play the type of defense they played yesterday against a Rutgers team that has slightly more offensive talent than the Pirates had. Right, a Rutgers team that beat Indiana. So this is a good Rutgers team. You know, they, they, they're usually pretty tough on their home court. The one thing I, I would think about that is that, you know, the Seton Hall players have played in hostile New Jersey, Northeast environments before. You bring, a kid, you bring kids in from Iowa and Minnesota, and they're not used to playing in hostile environments in the New York City area, but the Seton Hall kids have done that most of their high school careers. So that might be why Jersey Mike's Arena doesn't provide the fear factor for Seton Hall that it might for some of those Big Ten teams that seem to lose there all the time. Absolutely. So look, I, I still think Seton Hall um, is a team that will keep improving all year with their new coach, Shaheen Holloway. And because they play defense so well, they got to get better, but they will get better because that's what Shaheen does. I think they'll be competitive throughout the entire season. All right, let's jump to number seven. Uh, I kind of like Butler's team. You know, they're 8-3. and three, They have a terrific coach. And they have Chuck Harris and Manny Bates. Um, they're going to be a team. I don't know if they can get into the tournament, but I'm I'm not sure they won't get in the tournament. I think uh, I think it's a I think it's just a pride prospect of the other teams that are ahead of them, Marquette and St. John's, just being slightly more fine tuned at this stage than Butler is. But Butler can beat anybody in the conference on any given night. They have a huge one coming up on Saturday when Connecticut comes in to Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, and you got a great little center matchup between Bates and Adamo Sinogo from Connecticut. Uh, I agree. You know, so I think that that's a game where Butler, that's a chance for Butler to really make a statement as to how competitive they're going to be in the Big East and whether or not they have what it takes to make a run at an at-large tournament bid. All right. So I agree. St. John's, Red Storm, 10-1, and one, but even though it gets some St. John's fans angry on Twitter, although a lot of St. John's fans would agree with this notion, the schedule's a joke. Their non-conference schedule is number 347 in the nation. Let me remind everybody, Patrick, there's 363 teams. They have one of the worst non-conference schedules in the nation, and then when they had to face a team that was kind of on their level, Iowa State... They lost um, pretty significantly. So they're 10-1. and one. That looks great when you see the numbers 10 versus 1. They, I don't know what St. John's is. You know, I saw them play DePaul. DePaul's not that good. You know, uh, St. John's beat Nebraska and Temple and Syracuse. All right. But at the end of the day, St. John's has a team right now, because of the non-conference schedule, a lot of questions. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I, I sort of think that, you know, Curbelo's playing a little bit better than I think some people were expecting, although he didn't play very well in that game against New Hampshire over the weekend. Uh, Joe Soriano, I have him on my All-Big East team. I, I think he's become a difference maker for them. Certainly they improved. Play big, they play a big game next week at Villanova. So, you know, that that's sort of going to be a, a put-up-or-shut-up game for St. John's. Yes. In that, you know, 
if Villanova is down, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. We can get in that in a second. St. John's has a golden opportunity to knock them off and really make a statement to the selection committee that they belong in the NCAA tournament. A bad loss in that game and, you know, those at-large hopes that St. John's fans have and Mike Anderson has might, you know, might be in jeopardy. Look, I watch every St. John's game. I root for St. John's. I still don't know what that team is, particularly because there's a big question mark, and that's three-point shooting, which you must be able to do in modern-day college basketball. I don't know yet if that team is going to shoot three as well. Let's move to number five, Marquette Warriors. I watched them play Baylor. They look like uh, a powerhouse. They blew Baylor off the court, uh, but they lost to Mississippi State, who's, by the way, unbeaten. Um, Marquette is 8-3. and three. They can look great, as I saw against Baylor. Uh, as you point out in your uh, analysis there, they don't always look great. They're a little inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, they have a big game coming up Friday night when Creighton comes to uh, their arena in Milwaukee. Uh, I think that most of these players, one thing I've written in other pieces is that this is most of the players' second year playing of Shaq at Smart. So it might have taken, they now know how Smart wants them to play. And keep an eye on the guy I mentioned in the piece, Cam Jones, who is really, might be, they talk about breakout players. Cam Jones fits that definition of a breakout player and is somebody who Big East teams are going to have to find a way to defend if you're going to get some victories over Marquette in conference play. It'll be interesting because Creighton's been down. Uh, they lost that game over the weekend against BYU, and they have some injury issues to deal with. So, you know, beating Creighton will send the message that Marquette is a serious contender in Big East play. Okay. Next, Creighton. What the heck is going on? I will tell you, Patrick, I would never thought we were having this conversation based on the preseason analysis of Creighton by a lot of people that Creighton would be 6-4 and four right now. And has a big win against Arkansas. Uh, but, of course, they lost in Nebraska. Uh, I am shocked by Creighton so far. Uh, Creighton's biggest problem, they have two problems, I think. One is something that's a little beyond their control. Their big center, Ryan Kalkbrenner, has been on and off the court with you know, injury and illness issues. The other problem is that their bench depth is not, they haven't been able to have the bench to make up for missing what Kalkbrenner uh, hasn't been able to deliver on the court. I mean, they have some nice pieces off their bench, but they really don't deliver at a consistent level that you need in order to sort of keep yourself at the level that you're expecting. Now, I think when Kalkbrenner comes back, you know, Creighton's going to be closer to what we were expecting them to be in the preseason analysis. But the question becomes, when does Kalkbrenner come back and when is he 100% effective? That could be till a couple of weeks in the conference play. Okay. Villanova. They're 5-5, five and five, another shocking number to see next to that uh, Blue Blood College basketball program. But new coach, injuries to Cam Whitmore and Justin Moore. Uh, the rest of the guys have been battling it out. Been a tough start to the season. But Cam Whitmore has come back, played really well. Um, I can't wait to see that St. John's-Villanova game. It's going to tell me a lot about both teams. Oh, absolutely. And I think you'll be really impressed. A little bit I've seen of Whitmore... Uh, the guy is as advertised. Right, so uh, he is, he's a pro playing with college kids right now. I understand he's uh, great. I can't wait to see him play. I haven't seen him yet. What, interesting to see what St. John's does with him. I think it's next uh, Wednesday night, if I believe it. All right. Now I'm, I'm going to have to jump over Xavier. Sorry, Xavier Musketeers, number two. Um, or actually, I guess you have them tied with Villanova, three and three. Um, 
But number one, tell me in the last minute of the show why Connecticut has been so freaking awesome. Well, everyone on that team has either played at or above what was expected of them. And a name that I don't know if I mentioned this in the blog, Donovan Klingen, 7-2 freshman. The guy has been as, as good a center as almost anyone in the conference. And if he plays to the level he's played in non-conference play, uh, Connecticut's going to be almost impossible to beat in the Big East. Wow, and that's not what a big statement. The Big Big East blog says they may be impossible to beat. Well, I mean, if they play the, if they play the way they've played in some of those games out in Oregon a couple of weeks ago, it, it's hard to think of who's going to stop them in the conference. Wow. They're not number right. three in the AP poll and number one in the Ken Palm for nothing. I, I'm so curious to see more of UConn to see if they really are a top five team in America. Patrick? Saturday will tell. Great job, Patrick. Great job. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you for the call. Happy we'll talk holiday. to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. That's Patrick Madden, the Big Big East blog. Commercial break, folks, and we'll be right back. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we're back for the second half of the Kyle Troops Chat Radio Show. I'm Jim Messano, your host here on WVOX, 1460 AM, and our guest is Jack Milko. How are you today, Jack? Jim, great to be back with you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to have you on today. Um, so... You are with um, A10 Talk, right? That's one of the uh, blogs that you work that is, with? That is correct. That is correct. A10 Talk, uh, A10Talk.com, at A10 Talk on Twitter. We cover what Adrian Wojnarowski refers to us as the mighty Atlantic 10 Conference. The mighty. Wow. That's a good description. We've had another guy <laughs> on the show over time. Uh, Sam Basil also is on A10 Talk. Sam is terrific. Nice guy. Uh, he covers, he's a Fordham guy. He covers the Rams, who are uh, surging. They're off to a good start at 11 1 and keep Ergo's first year in the Bronx. Well, although I have to tell you, did you see uh, that they are ranked dead last in America in strength of non conference schedule? They are literally 363 on strength of non conference schedule. <laughs> yes, they are, but you know what? They're taking care of business, right? They're, they, they are. They can only play the schedule they have. So True, they are winning. But, Arkansas, I believe, so. but I, I, I do say to my Fordham friends, I can't tell you about your team when they ask until they actually play some more competitive games, but of course that's coming up in the A-10. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really eager to see how Fordham does. Quisenberry's obviously a really good guard. They've got Khalid Moore, the transfer from Georgia Tech, so Fordham should be competitive, which for all those years they were in the so one of my best friends uh, and his entire family went to Fordham. So we talk about Fordham basketball a lot. I will tell you, Jack, and you can giggle about this a little bit. For years, we would go to St. Bonaventure at Fordham, where, by the way, St. Bonaventure had the majority of the fans in the Fordham gym. And I only used to blow them out by like 10 to 15 points, literally every time. <laughs> of course, right? It's yeah. It's just... Uh... That's kind of the Bonaventure vibe, which is, as you know, I'm a current grad student at Bonaventure, and my main beat is the Bonnies. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's really how I got with covering the Atlantic 10 in the first place. Now, this year, I don't know. Maybe Fordham gives the Bonnies a game. I'm not walking to the gym the last five years or so where Bonnies were the much better team. Yeah, this year will be interesting. I believe Bonaventure's at Rose Hill Wednesday night, February 15th. 
So that should be a fun game. That's going to be Bonaventure's third game in the New York City area. Of course, yesterday at the Barclays Center, Bonaventure went back and forth with Iona, but Rick Pitino's press, Diamond the Brown and White at the end, uh, closed the game on a 19-3 run, run, excuse me, to beat Bonaventure 72-57 at the Barclays Center. But uh, Bonaventure's got a brand-new team, young team. Uh, New York City basketball area fans will know Daryl Banks III from St. Peter's last year. He's now with the Bonnies, their leading scorer. Um, so Bonaventure, we'll just have to see what happens in the 8-10, but I think they're going to be competitive. Me too. So I, I think the same thing we said about Fordham, I would say about St. Bonaventure. Um, I'm not going to sit here and start advocating that they're a top three team in the A-10. I don't think that's true. But I'm hoping that with so much turnover, by the way, folks, let me let me just mention this. There's not a, a player on the St. Bonaventure basketball team this year that played one minute on the team last year. That's tremendous turnover. It is tremendous turnover. Completely new roster. Uh, transfers came in from pretty much everywhere. Uh, the starting lineup right now, is, as I just mentioned, Banks from St. Peter. Um, Bonaventure has Kyra Luke, who's a patient league freshman of the year at Holy Cross. And then Barry Evans and Jan Farrell are two terrific freshmen. If you don't watch this team play, uh, keep an eye on Evans, number zero, and Farrell, number two. Both are uh, six, six, six foot eight forwards who are tremendous. And then inside is Chad Benning, the big guy at 6'10". He transferred in from Morgan State. So brand new roster, young team, some growing pains. Uh, thus far for the Bonnies, but they do have a big win over Notre Dame. They beat the Irish back on November 25th at the UBS Center. We so, watched that uh, game in the Misano house, and we were very happy. I had my wife and son watching with me. We're all very happy about that win, uh, beating the <laughs> Fighting Irish. Um, uh, so yesterday's game, you are absolutely correct. Uh, Rick Pitino's defense wore out the young St. Bonaventure team. They played pretty even for three quarters of the game, but in the final quarter of the game, uh, Iona took off. They, they went on a 19-3 run, and that was the end of the Bonnies. I was a little surprised yesterday. Now, you've seen way more than I have. I've probably caught around half the game so far. But uh, Barry Evans and Jan uh, Farrell did not play well yesterday. They, they had bail poor games. No, they didn't. They didn't. And I think, as I just mentioned, those two guys are freshmen, and understanding how to break a patino press takes a lot of time and experience. And that was really the first full game they've played where they've been thrown an entire press at them. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, Bonaventure played a couple weeks ago. They, too, like to throw a full-court press, but that was not even as close to as athletic and as stingent of a team as Iona was. Um, so... You know, my biggest takeaway for this game for Farrell and Evans and really for the whole team is this is good practice for Bonaventure because they're going to have to play VCU in that Havoc press of Atlantic 10 play, and VCU is one of the top teams in the league. So if, if there's a positive takeaway, it's that, A, they've experienced a little bit of the press. They're just going to have to figure out how to deal with it going forward. And the key to that is really inbounding the basketball. Uh, Patino brilliantly put his seven-foot forward Osborne on the inbounder yesterday down the stretch, and that completely stymied Bonaventure. I mean, they, they turned it over four or five times in a three-minute span. It's unbelievable. In the last eight minutes of the game. It, it was ridiculous. And literally, Osborne's wingspan did not allow Banks to inbound the ball whatsoever. Right. Uh, and, that, and, and that really, it's not all on Banks, but it's Evans and Farrell flashing the right spots, right? Yeah, no They're question. They're not getting in the free throw line, and, and they, they got to get open for Banks just so they can inbound the ball. So, 
some learning lessons still to be had for the young Bonnies, but those two guys are going to be really good players. I future. agree. Osborne Shima was a difference maker yesterday. He really was. Um, but let's also mention Karel Luke, the point guard from Holy Cross. He's having a really nice season. He wasn't even, you know, he had a decent game yesterday. Um, he's somebody you can really build around. He's a sophomore. Uh, he was the best player in his conference last year with Holy Cross. So with him and Banks at the guard spot, that's pretty solid. And Evans and Farrell in the forward spots, two really good freshmen. Chad Benning is a difference maker in the middle, uh, average about 11 points a game. I think the Bonnies will could be competitive. But tell us now, tell us now, who are the top teams in the Atlantic 10? You tell me when the Bonnie, who are the Bonnies going to have their hardest games with? Well, St. Louis for sure. Uh, St. Louis has had a couple of tough losses so far, but they returned back their entire roster from a season ago. Travis Court also gets Javante Perkins back and tore his ACL in October 2021. Um, right now, St. Louis would be the only team in the conference that would be able to earn an at-large bid out of the a uh, I think University of Massachusetts is tough. Frank Martin's in his first year up there. Uh, UMass plays the most bench minutes out of any team in the country. Noah Fernandez leads the way, averaging 11.4 points per game, although he's missed the last couple of games due to an injury. Uh, Matt Cross and T.J. Weeks are also solid, too. Dayton started the season in the top 25, but some injuries have ravaged them as of late. They've kind of fallen out. Uh, I just mentioned VCU as well. They're always good. Mike Rhodes is a really great coach. That Havoc Press always gives teams fits. And we'll see about Fordham. I don't think they're a top-four team. As you said earlier, they've got the weakest schedule to date, but Fordham's going to be pesky. They always are. And another team to watch out for are the Davidson Wildcats. Uh, legendary coach Bob McKillop retired in the offseason, handed the reins over to his son, Matt, and Davidson, they're 7-3. They had one bad loss to Charleston, but their two other losses were by a combined four points. So the Wildcats, don't be surprised if the Davidson Wildcats win the Atlantic 10 in March. I wouldn't be surprised. And um, so I saw St. Louis uh, play Iona, and Iona did the same thing to St. Louis that they did to the Bonnies. They wore them out with the press and hard-nosed defense and waves of uh, you know players. They, you know, they're playing 9-10 guys and rolling in. Uh, their press, so uh, St. Louis struggled. And I, 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 earlier on the show, I don't know if you heard the earlier on the show, I mentioned that Rick Pitino said in the interview after the St. Louis game that what he saw in the faces of the St. Louis players was fatigue. And I saw that with the Bonnies, too, in the last five minutes. Absolutely, absolutely. And Schmitz, like John Chaney from Temple way back in the 90s, early 2000s, right? does not like to go deep. And I don't think there's... When you're playing Pitino's press there is both a physical fatigue and a mental fatigue because crossing the timeline in those 10 seconds is so tough to do against Iona that you're mentally tired 30 minutes into the game. And, and that was clear as day at the Barclays Center yesterday when Iona raced past the Bonnies on the last 7.30 and outscored 19-3. So I was high in the preseason when I was kind of doing my uh, research on Dayton. I really thought Dayton was going to have a big-time team this year. They were nationally ranked, like you said. They were pretty high in Ken Palm. Uh, you mentioned injuries. Tell us about Dayton. Is this a team that maybe is not as good as we thought? Or after uh, they, they get past this kind of bad time, they should be fine and possibly even be a tournament team. What are you thinking about Dayton? Well, 
Yeah, Dayton's, Dayton's kind of a mystery. And if you remember last year, a season ago, the Bonnies were preseason top 25, and this year the preseason top 25 team is Dayton. Maybe there's a curse for Atlantic 10 teams in the preseason top 25, but they suffered a couple tough injuries. Kobe Elvitz and um, Deron Holmes got hurt. Those are two of their key contributors. I know a lot of Dayton fans are frustrated with Anthony Grant's head coaching, but Dayton last year was one of the youngest teams in the nation. They're still pretty young, mostly sophomores, a couple juniors. So it's early season growing pains. I mean, this time a year ago, Dayton suffered three quad four losses at home, and they've suffered a couple of bad losses already. But I think come February, come March, Dayton will be playing their best ball. They always do. Grant will fix things, and Dayton will be vying for an NCAA tournament position by March. Okay, loyal Chicago. I think we got twenty seconds. Give me a twenty-second review. Oh, oh, too late. We'll have to do that another time, Jack Melko. Jim, you're the man. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much. Thanks so Great much. job. I learned a lot about the A10 tonight. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye bye now. All right, that's Jack Milko from Atlantic Ten Talk. Got a good uh, description of that conference. Go to the commercial break, and then we'll chat with Kenny from Rye uh, in our last segment. We love that basket. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Masano. This is WVOX Radio, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. And on the phone is not only my friend from since third grade, but the great Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there? James, how are we doing? I'm doing all right today. Uh, Did you enjoy our guests? I did, yeah. I, I thought uh, it was, they were great breakdowns of uh, of um, the two leagues, which I think to some extent, as I say, you can look at both quickly here, and they're kind of starting off the season a little bit on the weak side comparatively to what we've seen in the past, particularly the A-10. I think they're they're very down in comparison to where they've been in the last few years. I feel like both are. I feel like the Big East is down right now. I really do. Patrick didn't totally agree. He partially agreed. But I don't know. I mean, I have UConn. That's great. Creighton, who's underperformed. Villanova, injuries, but still underperformed. Xavier looks pretty good, but I don't know. They're not overwhelming me. Then when you get past that, you know, Marquette, great game against Baylor. Got some strange losses. St. John's, ridiculously easy non-conference schedule. I don't know what's there. I'm still a little shaky on the Big East. Yeah, I mean, I think from a perspective, as you say, if you look at strength of schedule, you got some problems from that standpoint. I do think, though, if you look at uh, certain teams, you know, as, as Pat Kennedy said, you schedule to make the tournament. So you have to look at what you have coming up in your roster. <clears throat> I've just used Providence, as we talked about earlier in the year. They had some bad losses in the beginning of the year. But they lost 79% of their scoring from last year and over 80% of their rebounding. So he comes in and he's got to coordinate basically a whole new team and get them going. So if you're looking at that, whether you're Providence or, or whoever it may be, um, you, you've got to take that into account. So I, I think in particular college kids uh, are very much uh, subjective to a confidence. If they turn around and they're 2-10 uh, just because they got on TV and played some teams and got blown out, that's a problem. I agree. I agree. And so you have some teams like a Creighton that's kind of lost games you never thought they would lose. You have other teams like St. John that's winning all their games, but they're not beating anybody, so I don't know what they are. And when they, and St. John's finally played somebody that I thought was a pretty good team, Iowa State, 
uh, they hammered St. John's. So um, the St. John's Villanova game coming up is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, if, if we're looking at um, the net ratings, which is where they take a lot of what they say the seeding for for the tournament, you know, the, the Big East, UConn is now number one. After that, the next one drops down to 30 with Marquette, just from a strength of schedule. And then you get over to St. John's and you say, and they're at 70. So they're outside the 64 right now. So that, that's a problem unto itself if you, if you think about it. But, again, you know, let, let's see how, how confidence you know, carries them into the first few games and, and then take it from there. But as, as you mentioned, <clears throat> when you did see St. John's play uh, against a, quote-unquote, you know, a team of equal expectations i guess you'd say uh, they didn't look good but right again, so yeah, but, but but you know you feel for st john's a little on their scheduling uh this saturday at 2 30 p.m they scheduled a game that last year and for like decades before would have been a really tough non-conference game florida state every year since we followed basketball going back decades florida state's been a very strong acc team this year they stink when st john's is playing them yeah, I mean the ACC is a little down in the end. You should say Florida State is not helping; is not helping itself this year so far as well. But again, there's a little bit to the name as well as we all know. So you know, Florida State could turn around and get on a run in the ACC. So you have to look at it from a talent perspective overall. So I, you know, I, I, I'm reluctant to jump on teams that have expectations that aren't living up to them. Creighton being one, I still kind of wait till the half half um, the half year point. Uh, it's again, it's different. If you're two and ten, that's a problem. You're you know on a real uphill. But if you're in, you know, a few games over 500 and you played a hard schedule, I, th- I think we'll, we'll we'll find out who you are halfway through. Right. So, I'm thinking about bids for the Big East, we were we were going to chat a little about bids. Obviously, Connecticut looks like an NCAA tournament team. That's just that. Right now, they're the power in the Big East. They're the best team in the Big East. They not only look like the best team, but the analytics say they're the best team. UConn's a dominant team in the Big East. Let's put them aside. There's one NCAA tournament team in the Big East for sure. After that, you know, you say to yourself, Xavier's probably an NCAA tournament team. I'm not 100% sure if Villanova's an NCAA tournament team. I think they are. With Whitmore back, they get Justin Moore back. They're probably an NCAA tournament team. But all that has to happen. Yeah, I mean, as you say, UConn's a guarantee. Uh, Villanova's, you know, sitting on the fence. Um, I think Creighton's going to get its act together. It's a little bit live by the three, die by the three with them, uh, but I think they, they will they will get it together unless unless injuries take them and derail the whole season. I will find out about that. I you know Xavier's there, Marquette's there. Uh, I think th- those are those are and then you have you know Butler, St. John's, Providence, Seton Hall, kind of fighting to see if they can you know scratch the last at large bit in there to see how it goes. Uh, again, but let's see halfway through. The, to the conference schedule itself, because I think we're going to learn a lot in the next two weeks. Right. So, Marquette, <clears throat> they're 8-3. and three. They look like they could be an NCAA tournament team to me. You know, they lost to Purdue. That's fine. Purdue's ranked number one in some, in some rankings. Uh, they lost to Mississippi State. They're unbeaten. And they lost to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a, a strong program. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. They not only beat Baylor, they crushed Baylor. Beat Georgia Tech. That's a good program. So, Marquette looks like a team that's on its way right now. From what I've seen, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Smart is a good, is a good coach, as we all know. We knew he'd get it together there. And they do. Just probably a lot of win over Baylor. Is they, do, they do have a net rating of 30. So it's not like they're getting you know, no respect at all. They're getting 
respected they so far. And again, they're, they're probably the ones, if, if you say the Power Five, Power Six conferences all get in at least four or five, you'd have to put them in as kind of, you know, I don't want to say guarantee, but on the tail end of it. I did want to agree with you. I think even <clears throat> though Creighton's six and four, Creighton's got some stupid losses already. Um, they don't have a lot of depth and injuries really showed how weak the depth was, but that problem won't go away, right? Uh, I'm a little surprised they have a lot of four, uh, four-star players on that bench, but right now they're having trouble working them in to be pieces that matter. Uh, so I do think Creighton's starting five when healthy is second best in the Big East, so I think they'll eventually be an NCAA tournament team. So I get to about five teams in the Big East. After that, again, uh, St. John's, I don't know what they are. I, I, they're 10-1, and one, um, and they haven't beaten anybody. You know, uh, the teams they beat, they've got a couple of decent wins, but they don't have a big win yet. And uh, I need to see more from St. John's. I need to see more from Butler. I need to see much more from your Providence Friars. And I need to see more from Seton Hall. Those four teams I'm not ready to put in the big dance. No, I, not at all. And I think you're right. I think those those four are going to be the ones probably most likely it, when we're coming down to decision day that they will be scratching for the, the last one or two bids that they get or at, from the standpoint of at the at-large bid. I agree. So the other question you had in your text to me was if for some bummer of a reason, the team that we have season tickets for, the Iona University Gales, if they somehow slip up in the MAC tournament this year, could they still get in as an at-large team? And I, so the first answer, the first way I would answer that is today, maybe, because they're 34 in the net, 58 in Ken Palm. What I found over the years to get an at-large bid on Ken Palm, you need to be in a top 45. That's my number, top 45. So they got so they're a little bit behind on that at 58, but they're close. 34 in the net. Here's the key to answer that question, though, Kenny from Rye. Iona College has some tough games coming up. Um, they have uh, a pretty good Princeton team. I think they'll win that game, but they have to go out and win that game. That's a pretty good team. Uh, they're playing New Mexico, which is Rick Pitino's son. Uh, they're having a very good season. That's going to be and it's on the road and it's far away. Uh, that'll be a very formal, tough game. And then they have that tournament at the end of the season. Uh, which is going to be very hard. Not only, you know, not you know, the first game I think is SMU. You know about them, right? Your your daughter's there. Uh, but after that, they got. I think if they beat SMU, they got to play Utah State. That's another team really highly regarded. So every game I own is God for the next five games is a tough game. They're going to have to go win those games. I I believe all of them pretty much, or at least four out of the five. Uh, if you want to say. Uh, that Iona is a team that can get in with an at-large bid. Yeah, I agree. I think that number is correct, four out of five. I mean, I don't think they'll have a problem with SMU, and I don't think they'll have a problem with with, with uh, Princeton tomorrow. Uh, but I, I do I, – I am a little bit shocked at the quality of basketball they've played. We've seen them a few times live, and the games haven't been competitive. I mean, they, they are they are dominating the team by the end of the second – the end of the first half. And then they come out, and it's basically just an up and down to keep it at 20 to 25 points. So the last four games, it was not even close. And St. Louis is a decent squad. I'm not saying they're great because I think the A-10 is a little weak. But I, I saw them against, what do you call it? They're a good team. So I think Iona's got a chance. If you say four out of five, 
and then sw- and then runs to the max. I think they got a chance at it at large if they don't win the tournament. I agree. Great job, Kenny from Ride. Thank you for calling into the show. Thanks, Ken. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, folks, that's our show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back here next Monday night on College Troop Chat for another informative show about the great sport of college basketball. Bye-bye, everybody.